Welcome to the Shining Light Podcast. I'm Pastor Sam. And this is Patrick, No Compromise with Evil Wyatt. How are you doing today, Patrick? Good. It's been too long since we've done this. It has, although I will say the last uh, podcast we did was, I think, our <laughs> most successful episode we've ever done. It was, it's still garnering downloads, isn't it? Yeah, I believe so. I think we're uh, either, I think we're right at or over 25,000 downloads on that one episode. I knew it was over 20. I didn't know it was 25, but yeah. Boy, but last time I checked, it was just <laughs> under 25,000, and it's been a, a week or so since I've checked that, and so I'm, I think I'm sure was, it's gone over. Yeah. Maybe we had to do a follow-up on it, because there is some more information on the uh, yeah, war yeah. in Ukraine. Yeah, maybe maybe we should, because, uh, I mean, we were uh, more than ahead of the curve, I would say, on that we one. We definitely were. We called it right. Uh, we were quite, and when everybody else was saying that, no, there's going to be no war, and we were saying, you know, yes, there will be, and we were one of the few that actually said that it would happen, and so it has. Right. And, and there's some other predictions we could do, but maybe that's the subject of another podcast because this podcast is maybe the one we look forward to doing, but maybe thought we'd never get a chance to do it. Yeah, I never thought we would be doing this podcast. I didn't think this would be happening we in our lifetime. We prayed about it, though. Yeah, we did. Um, and it is, you want to say? The death of Roe versus Wade. Isn't that just wonderful? Oh, it's gone. It, it's gone. It's done. It's over with. No more Roe versus Wade. Um Wow, I mean, just praise the Lord for that. And how yeah. much have we talked about judicial supremacy and in abortion and the evils of that? And yeah, we've written articles on judicial supremacy. Um, what was the uh, series that you did? What was the title of it? The a legacy of a dead nation, or can judges make laws? Yeah, murdered babies. Can judges make laws? Th- that's what it is. Yeah, murdered babies. Uh, different. There was there was a three parter, talking about, of course, abortion. And specifically about how judicial supremacy, where judges have usurped authority, not given them the Constitution, to alter, abolish, and in effect make law, making themselves legislators, which the Constitution specifically forbade. We talked about um, the Marbury versus Madison, where this idea came from, and we actually set that straight. So we've been over this pretty good, but we have to say, one thing a court can do when there's been a bad precedent set in the past a court does have the authority and should overturn it, should overrule a bad ruling. And finally, it has happened. Right. And, and there, I have seen some critiques as to why the court has done this, but I'll be the first to say, I don't care if it was because an apostrophe was in the wrong spot. <laughs> uh, I'm just glad that they did overturn this. Um, now, I, I, we do need to say this because some people think that this means that there's no more abortions, that abortion is illegal in America. Right. And that's not the case because do judges make law? No, they do not. Well, I mean, they, they well, do they, de facto. They're not supposed to, but yeah. But no, they're not supposed to. The legislatures are the ones and the, at the state level and, of course, the Congress at the federal level. They are charged to make law. That's right. And so basically uh, the end result of this whole thing is that they kick this back to the states for the states to make laws, which is essentially where it should be. But, but I think we need to get a little bit more of the history. How did we get to this point? So, How did we get the Supreme Court that we have? Uh, what are some of the decisions that kind of led up to this? How did we get to this point? Okay. So let's look at 1973. 1973, in every state in the Union, abortion was illegal. The, the liberals should be. <laughs> yeah. The liberals could not get it through a single legislature to make abortion legal. So they did the shortcut. They had enough liberals on the Supreme Court. They brought it to a court case and then used judicial supremacy, which is an unconstitutional concept, to make a ruling, a decision, and by that ruling, they said abortion is a constitutional right. Now, the interesting thing is, 
even a liberal, if you say, can you show me in the Constitution, anywhere in the Constitution, or any of the amendments where there's a, a mention of abortion? It's not there. It's not there. So, kind of the same thing with homosexual marriage. Can you show me anywhere where the Constitution, and you've got to realize what the Constitution is. It is what, it's a document that forms our particular type of government, our republic, right? Right. It, it, it has enumerated powers that federal government can do. Right. It, well, and it's not um, organic law either, where like in our, um, our Declaration of Independence, where it says the laws of nature and nature's God. Right. Uh, the, the laws of nature don't say that you can kill your baby because if the laws of nature said you could kill your baby, well, we're not going to have very many children left if that was a law of nature and we wouldn't have a second generation. So the Constitution doesn't address a whole lot of issues that people try to... Well, the Constitution says this. The Constitution gives specific limited authorities to government. It's a limited form of government, and there's things that the federal government needs to do by necessity, and it's, it's enumerated in the Constitution those duties that government can do. So then you have the amendments come along, the first ten called the Bill of Rights, and those amendments put further restrictions on the power of the central government. In fact, the Tenth Amendment then says all the things we've not enumerated to the federal government are reserved to the individual states. And the states, of course, formed the federal government, right? So mm -hmm. we didn't form our master. The federal government works for us, the states. Well, and, and that's a really important thing to go and to say too, Patrick, because, especially when it comes to this whole idea of abortion, because what you're describing is this idea of a republic. Yep. And a republic is not top-down, it's bottom-up. And in a republic, the government doesn't give a right for the people to exist. The people give the right for the government to exist. Exactly. And so the greatest attack on our government, or on our republic, I should say, is abortion. And why is that? It's because what is the government saying? They're saying some person... In fact, the most uh, innocent and the most um, helpless. defenseless, helpless, that's what I'm looking for, uh, person doesn't have the right to exist, as opposed to that innocent, helpless person saying, you have the right to exist or don't exist, government. They're actually getting it backwards. And so it is a philosophical attack on our republic, uh, abortion, in a way that nothing else really can be. And, and this is by design, and you know we heard it with settled law. Well, you, there's no reason to fight against it. It's settled law. Well, it was constitutionally groundless. Nothing in the Constitution shows any. That was never debated. It was never inferred that you had a right to kill your baby in this country. In fact, at the time of our founding, it was illegal to do that. You you couldn't do it. Period. Right. And and so again, they couldn't get legislature. Seventy three comes, they get Roe versus Wade because they had liberals in a court. But recently. There was a power shift on the court. So the interesting thing is, now Judge Antonin Scalia, um, very strong conservative, good man. One, one, one of my best favorite, yeah, one of my favorite justices. Yeah. yeah, Scalia dies unexpectedly in 2016, February 2016, last year of the Obama presidency. It's amazing what happens when a pillow gets put over your face for a while. <laughs> well. So he dies at a hunting camp in Texas. And I, I was just looking at Wikipedia today, and they're saying, well, Texas law doesn't require that an autopsy be performed. So I looked at the statute. So don't listen to Wikipedia. Listen to the Shining Light podcast if <laughs> That's you want right. the truth. So the, the Texas statute said an unattended death must have an autopsy. An unattended death would be you're not under a doctor's care. Okay, so now Scalia dies and there's no autopsy performed on him to cause a death. Now, if I were a regular person, the law says you have to do it. At a high-profile case like that, you'd figure they would want to do it to make sure nothing had happened. So what they said is Scalia was found. There was a no apparent 
struggle. So like he hadn't been hit with an axe or shot or anything like that. That doesn't mean that he couldn't have been poisoned. Now, on the other hand, he was 79 years old and he could have died of natural causes. I'm not saying, I don't know either way because an autopsy wasn't performed. What I'm right. saying is under the circumstances, a high profile sitting Supreme Court justice, an autopsy should have been performed to keep people like me from speculating what might have possibly happened. That would have been the smart thing to do, but they didn't do it. Why? Well, I, it, there's only one reason I can think of as to why, <laughs> um, and that's because he, you know, wasn't using a my pillow, uh, and yeah, th- those it, it are was good. somebody else's pillow um, <laughs> that he was ended up using, and it wasn't below his head; it was on his face. But uh, that's the only thing that I can think of as to why you wouldn't do an autopsy, and, it, and it, especially with the conveniency of the timing there for Obama to go and to nominate a judge to potentially... Which would have really solidified the left's hold on the court. So at the time, we had Scalia, we had Thomas, we have Alito. Those are our three really top uh, guys. I really like Clarence Thomas, by the way. Yeah, yeah. And and Alito's a very solid citizen as well. So it would have figured that, well, you see God's hand in working in some of this stuff too. So Obama, he nominates Merrick Garland to take Scalia's place. Now, Merrick Garland is a su- super liberal. But the, the the Republican, have you heard that name before? Well, I've, I've heard Recently? that name once or twice. Is he maybe the AG right now? Or? He is indeed. Since he could not get on the court because the Republicans would not hear his nomination, they said, let's let the next president pick it. So that nomination went by the wayside, never got voted on. He gets recycled with the current... Uh, fake administration as the attorney general. So this is the Merrick Garland that when parents were going to school boards, outraged at some of the garbage being taught in public education to children and were letting the school board members know we're not happy about it. He's the one that decided, well, that's a that's maybe a terrorist act talking like that. And he got the FBI involved. Maybe we need to investigate parents who are actually concerned about the garbage we're teaching their children. This is the sort of guy that Obama wanted on the Supreme Court. Yeah, well, and by the way, the First Amendment, which is kind of important, it is the first one there. Um, It literally does say this, uh, or abridging the freedom of speech or or of the press or the right of the people to peaceably assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. And and the first part of that, of course, is Congress shall make no law. And the reason it says Congress, you know, it doesn't say government shall make no law. It says Congress because Congress is the only body in the Constitution allowed to make law. That's the legislative branch. So the AG really has no power to go into sick uh, a police force. His job is to enforce the laws as written, not to start making up stuff and making parents enemies of the state because they're concerned about the garbage your children are being taught in public education. Right. Or indoctrination, whichever way you'd like to say it. Yeah. Indoctrination is a, is a pretty nice way, but... But since we didn't get this guy, who did we get? So when that slot came open under the next president, of course, Donald Trump was the president, which I hate to think what would have happened if Hillary Clinton would have been president. But Donald Trump nominates and we get Stephen Gorsuch. And Gorsuch has been a pretty solid citizen on the, on the court. So the next one to come up is, is Anthony Kennedy. Anthony Kennedy was what's been known over the years as a swing vote. And more often than not, he always sides with the liberals on the most liberal thing. So you could say he's a liberal vote. Well, he decides he's going to resign. And we go ahead and get Brett Kavanaugh, another Trump nominee. Brett Kavanaugh goes through there. The liberals kind of went after him, didn't they? The, you know, they did go after Kavanaugh. In fact, um, I would say that I was not very thrilled at all about the nomination of Brett Kavanaugh. I would second that. Uh, but one thing I would say about Kavanaugh is... 
They put him through so much of a ringer, I think he's become much more conservative since he's gotten to see the true face of the liberals and how nasty they were. Yeah, because even though you're supposed to be impartial, these two things, uh, these sorts of things do have an effect on a person when you've been attacked viciously as he was, his nomination. So now you have Scalia, he dies and his seat is replaced with another conservative. Now you have Kennedy gone and what has turned out to be a fairly reliable conservative. I don't know that I go ahead and put the whole stamp on him right now because there's other things to come up, but but so far he's been doing decent, especially with mm-hmm. Ro- with this repeal of Roe versus Wade. The last one is the one that's really interesting. So you had Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who was in poor health for many years, pancreatic cancer, amongst other things. I believe she was actually dead for five or six She years. would fall asleep sometimes when they were like in court. So yeah, she was definitely needing to go. It was only the demons inside of her <laughs> that, that kept got her, her going. going, you know. <laughs> well, I think what Bader Ginsburg, of course she'd be close friends with the Clintons, what she thought is that Hillary's a shoe in to win. No way Donald Trump can win. I will go ahead and, and tough out these last few years and months of, of, of the term of, of uh, Obama, and it will be great to have the first woman president nominate my replacement. I will retire. Except for God had a different choice. You know, I'm not saying God put Trump in office, but the way things worked out, Trump's in office, Hillary's not. Now Bader Ginsburg has to try to survive four more years, which she didn't. Right. That was a tactical error on their part. And it is appointed for all men to die once and after that judgment. And we look at that, her appointment came up. It did come up. And we got Amy Coney Barrett, another Trump nominee. Now, the interesting thing is the Democrats did learn from that. Stephen Breyer, notoriously liberal judge this year, my understanding is he was called the White House. He's 81 or something. He was told that uh, you need to step down, you need to retire. So we can appoint somebody in there before... You know, we don't want you lingering on to the next presidential term and then you dying and they get another conservative mm-hmm. in there. So so we got Kwanji Brown, whatever her first name is. She's the one that doesn't know what a woman is because she's not a biologist. So fantastic. When you flunk out of biology, you can't get grade school biology. Let's make you a Supreme Court judge. Great Democratic strategy. Love it. Yeah. The, I, you know, I, I will say I am looking forward to reading some of her opinions because they have to be absolutely completely hysterical uh like well, <laughs> I, i'm just looking at this for somebody who actually had the gall to go and to say um i don't know i'm not a biologist to the question of what a, what is a woman I, you you just know this person's got some personality doesn't have much iq but good personality well, in there you know she she's either she's either really dumb and i, I don't know that i believe that or she's lying, knowing that if she does admit what a woman is, then it destroys all this transgender nonsense we're hearing, and that, that house of cards drops. So she's forced to be dishonest to cover her bias and, and keep her base happy. I, I certainly hope that's the case, more so than she really doesn't know what a woman is. But there's a lot of, there's a lot of people today don't know what they are, so maybe it is true. I don't know. Maybe she doesn't know what a woman is. Yeah. So, so this is how we had the makeup, how we got the makeup of the court. And one thing that did surprise me about um, this Dobbs uh, case, because that's actually what it was. It wasn't really a review of Roe versus Wade. It was a review of Dobbs, and then, mm-hmm. uh, and then Roe versus Wade ended up getting overturned with that. Um, is that Justice Roberts, Chief Justice Roberts, actually voted with the conservatives because mm-hmm. he kind of. <laughs> He's been disappointing. Yeah, he, and he was nominated by Bush, if I remember right. He was. Uh, George W. Yep. And to replace he, William Rehnquist, who he had clerked for, and Rehnquist was a very solid Supreme Court justice. Right, and yeah. and it's almost like he's oh, he was a chief justice. Yeah, he, he's trying to uh, Roberts is trying to like almost get legacy points or something like that. It seems like once in a while, um, anyone. Well, 
wants see, to be like the the big vote, but now there's more on the originalist uh, interpretive. See, he lost his position when Ginsburg died because he would have he was the the swing vote then usually, but when Ginsburg died, now and Kennedy no was gone. Yeah, there's five justices, you know, Thomas, Alito, uh, Kavanaugh, Gorsuch, and Amy Coney Barrett. That's five. You That's only need you five. Obergefell, that was five to four decision. Right. And now the majority of those guys are gone. And now you have, in, in, in that decision, and we were talking earlier, in that decision, Roberts voted with the dissenters, the four. Mm-hmm. So if you count the people that voted against Obergefell plus the new justices showing a willingness to actually go by law, because let, let's take let's take your and I's opinion out of it right now. Okay? Right, yeah. Let, let's yeah. just look at the law as just, written. Just the process. But, yeah, and that's what a judge is supposed to do. Whether I think it's right or wrong is irrelevant. What does the law say? What was the intent of the law? What were they debating? What does the law mean? And based on that, we make our decision. The law in both uh, Roe versus Wade and even Obergefell we're talking about right now, as we just mm-hmm. earlier alluded to, there's nothing in the Constitution that gives the federal government saying, yes, you have the overwhelming and over majority of, of the federal government to tell states, no, you can't do this or no, you can't do that. You have to allow this, you have to allow that. There's nothing in the federal constitution that does that. Again, the 10th Amendment gives that sort of authority to individual states to decide. So what they're doing is, is simply setting right in, in Roe versus Wade something that should never have been. The federal government should never have intruded into states saying ab- ab- abortion is illegal. That was none of their business. Right. It's not in the constitution. Right. And and that's an interesting point. I, I want to pick up with that, but uh, just before I ask you this question, Patrick, I do want to tell everyone that if you like what you're listening to, please go over to the theshininglightministries.com. Uh, go check out there. We've got all kinds of articles, other podcasts. Um, what else do we have there? All kinds of stuff. Uh, we, we have uh, we have book books for sale. Oh yeah, yeah. And we got uh, do you still have the, the apostate tears mugs for sale? I, I think so. I haven't okay. checked for a while. <laughs> uh, we do have some apostate some tears DVDs, mugs. So you can uh, still get that. Yeah. Or, yeah. So all kinds of stuff. Go there. The shininglightministries.com. Uh, Check us out. Also subscribe uh, to the podcast. Uh, hopefully we'll get some more out here uh, in in the the coming weeks and months. Um, <laughs> and you can subscribe anywhere you get a podcast. Basically, even places we don't even know about. Uh, we go and we look and we're like, wow, I didn't even know that. And our podcast there is it is. Um, but I do want to ask you this question. Did we need Roe versus Wade to be overturned by the Supreme Court in order to end abortion in any state or in America in general? For all these years, we've had state legislatures, governors, presidents, Congress, simply bowing down to the court saying, oh, because we were talking... Uh, earlier before we come on, I know for a fact, and you told me, that you've had legislators tell you before, oh, we'd like to do a law like this or a law like that, but we don't know that would survive the courts. Like, do you work for the courts? Are you the legislative branch that needs to assert the authority the Constitution gives you to make laws? There's no other consideration other than, is the law just and do the people want it? So the president of the first Constitutional Convention was George Washington, who was General Washington and became our President Washington. He said, the, the, the spirit of our Constitution is the will of the majority shall prevail. Mm-hmm. Not the will of a judicial majority, the will of the majority of people. We're, we're not an oligarchy. No. And I think my, my favorite conversation, not really my favorite, but probably the most dumbfounded that I've looked having a conversation, at least with a Republican legislator. Uh, I've had some pretty dumbfounded looks <laughs> talking to some Democrat legislators. Um, but was when one, 
I was talking to him about about this, actually presenting a bill to abolish abortion, and, and his response was, well, the courts, but he went further than that. He goes and he says, says, I mean, it's the court's job to write law. Oh, oh my goodness. And I'm looking at him just with a, just a dumbfounded look, and he, he says, so what, what do we need you for then? Yeah, I said, what are we paying you for? That's your job. <laughs> I mean, like, Have you what? read the Constitution? Yeah, it's a, it's insane how many people put their hand on the Constitution, swear to uphold and defend it. They don't even they've either never read it or they didn't read it very thoroughly. They don't know what it says and what it means. And it's, you don't have to have a law degree to understand the Constitution. No, and this guy was a very sharp, smart individual. So I mean, it was just ignorance. It wasn't because he couldn't understand. Because everybody it. tells you that, right? But you got to you got to look at it for yourself. And, and again, I don't have to interpret it. It's not my interpretation. It's what's plainly worded. Just right. common, read it, and you'll understand what it says. Yeah, it's it's very simple. It's very short, in fact. Um, l- let me see here if it starts on page one or not. I kind of doubt, you know, how sometimes little booklets don't start on page one. Oh, but it does yeah. start on page one. That's always nice. And I've got, it's a pocket constitution, 20 pages for um, just the, the constitution. The constitution itself. And then you've got some amendments, and I think that goes to page 38. And then 39 is the signers. Yeah. So it's, it doesn't take a whole lot of time to go through it, and, and I would recommend everybody just be familiar with it. Right. Because a lot of what you're hearing today is a bunch of garbage. It, it, it's, it's liberal theory instead of constitutional law. Right. It's this judicial positivism. We've talked about that before in several uh, podcasts and, and going and looking at that. But, but what is the overturning of Roe versus Wade? What does it mean, and what opportunity does it give the United States? So Roe versus Wade simply now means that that the law is back to where it always was prior to this so-called ruling, which is back with the state legislatures and the people of the states. So the people of the states are going to determine if there's going to be a baby still murdered in their state or not. Now, California, New York, places like that, Northeast, or strong liberal strongholds, they're still going to be killing babies because that's mm-hmm. what their state legislatures made up. But the rest of the country has a real choice to make here now. And as, as citizens and as voters... We need to expect our legislators to do the right thing, to, to protect the lives of the innocent. Th- this idea, well, a woman needs to have a choice. Well, she does have a choice not to get pregnant because we know that about roughly 99% of all abortions are for the purpose of? Uh, convenience. Yeah, birth control. Yep. It's a form of birth control. Now, if you choose to go, and, and the vast majority of these do, um, from a Guttmacher Institute, they estimate between 80 to 85% are single women. Okay. God says that the, the sex outside of marriage, we call it fornication if it's between unmarried people, adultery if it's with a married person but not their partner, or their, their not partner. See, they spouse. got me talking their way, yeah. their spouse. There's no such thing as a partner. So um, with single women predominantly being the people that are seeking abortions, you know, if, if you're going to, whenever you violate what God says, he says it for your own good, there's always other problems built into it. So if you're going to be doing these things, you should at least plan on contraception. And if you, your contraception, if you're not doing it or if it doesn't work, then you, by your action, have created another life, and that life growing in you. It's another human. Now, regardless mm-hmm. of circumstances, and, and there's some horrible circumstances out there, God ordains every human life. It doesn't mean he approves of that process or however it happened, but there's no illegitimate baby in God's eyes. That's right. There's, there's sinful actions of people, but no illegitimate child. Mm-hmm. There's no, there's no child by mistake right. uh, or, or anything like that. And, it, it, and so the child does have the right to life and, in fact, uh, should be given that right. It's a human. 
Yeah, it's, it, it, it's a human, exactly. There's, there's no person who's ever been pregnant who's given birth to a cat, even if they later on identify as one, uh, is what we're finding <laughs> out. Um, it, the, the, there's no such thing. That's a, it, it's a biological reality. That it is a scientific are, impossibility. Right. And, and that they're, they're, they're a human being. Now, you, you mentioned something interesting. You said that there are going to be these liberal states that still allow uh, for the murder of children. Uh, right now, there's, I, th- I think, 12 or 13 states that have had either trigger laws or things like that that have come out. Uh, and they're, they're at the very least um, extremely limiting abortions. And I, I, I'm not somebody to, to give limits or exceptions to. I'm just saying this from a point of ignorance. I don't want to go out and say mm-hmm. that they've eliminated abortions if they haven't done that yet. Um, but we're seeing a strong divide in the United States. I'm sure that there's going to be some purple puddles out there. But what does this divide say to the United States going forward? And what does it mean um, in in the polarization? We've seen a great polarization in our nation. Mm-hmm. What are some of these repercussions that are going to come from this ex, uh, continued polarization? Because I, I just don't see how it's going to be anything other than a polarization right now. Well, last time we were this polarized was right before the Civil War. And, and we are coming to that point, possibly. The left is, of course, doing their usual thing rioting and going berserk and well i haven't seen Demo- democrats this mad since republicans freed the slaves yeah that's a good one actually that's exactly right um it's funny that some of the biggest protests from places like new york city and los angeles states that are their abortion laws are not going to be touched by this ruling because their state laws are so pro-abortion pro-baby murder but those are the ones going berserk. So obviously, if they're not happy that in their state they're going to get it. They want to inflict their wicked ideology on all the rest of us. They just can't stand not having their way nationwide. They don't want any right. sort of righteousness or any sort of states to be able to determine on themselves. And see, this is the thing about the liberals, is they want to inflict their wicked ideology despite history, despite heritage, despite law, doesn't matter to them. In fact, Roe versus Wade, you could go to most liberals that, that know what we're talking about and say, can you show me a constitution where abortion is a constitutional right, where it's specifically, they'll tell you no. No, but it's, they don't it's, right, it's right there actually next to the separation of church and state <laughs> yeah. in yeah. the constitution. Eight words which are not in the constitution as well. See, but they don't care what the law says. They care more about their ideology. In fact, if it goes against the law, so be it. Right. We don't care. That's but, the way they think. Well, and they... In some ways, they really are the children of Thomas Paine uh, because they basically believe that they can go and to burn down uh, society and to rebuild it in their own image. That's kind of what Thomas Paine was uh, believed. Now, I know he did some good things with common sense and uh, things like that, but the reality of it is is there's a reason why, was it nobody was at his funeral? Or, yeah. or, or like three people or something like it that? Was, it was very, there wasn't very many people attended. And all the friends he'd had, in fact, Ben Franklin said, you need to burn this nonsense when he's talking about this the anti-God stuff. Yeah. Um, and so we had the French Revolution kind of showed us what that looked like. It was a horror. Mm-hmm. And, but now this this very ideology that we're talking about now, burn down society, this is very much uh, active Marxist revolutionary stuff. It is. It, they're, they're right out in the open with it. And this right. is a, this is now a rallying cause. You said, what does this mm-hmm. mean? This is a rallying cry for the radical left, but the radical Marxist liberals. Right. And, and it just kind of whips them into a, a frenzy. It, well, in, in those who are getting whipped into a frenzy, uh, we were talking about this just before we started podcasting. I, I've noticed that it's kind of drawing this group together of those who are 
uh, pro-baby murder, um, those who are pro uh, all kind of sexual perversion. Um, you yeah, know, I guess you could call uh, the, it the, the, alf- the alphabet. Alf- yeah, the sodomite agenda, whatever you want yeah. to call it. The, the rainbow jihad, I think, is my favorite. Uh, <laughs> and then you also get the Satanists. Uh, that are coming together, the Church of Satan and things like that. And sexual perversity is a big part of, this, of Satan worship. Right, and, and the thing that they all have in common is that they hate God, yeah. these three groups. Um, but one of those groups that's in there is that Rainbow Jihad, the Sodomite agenda. Um, and that leads me to asking the question about Obergefell potentially getting overturned. Because uh, yeah. Thomas, uh, Justice Thomas mentioned this. Yeah, so Justice Thomas is right because there's there's no more grounding for Obergefell than there was for Roe versus Wade. So he's absolutely right. The logical conclusion would be let's just go back to the law and we'll let the states determine what they want. Let's just go back to that. doing our jobs, says Justice Thomas. <laughs> so so here's the interesting thing in the history of the United States since we're talking about Obergefell, um, homosexuality was illegal to time of our founding and, and thereafter. There were sodomite laws or anti-sodomy laws in all the states. In mm-hmm. 1986, there was the uh, Bowers versus Hardwick uh, decision that came before the court in 1986 regarding the Georgia law against sodomy. There was a, a gentleman caught in doing that, and, and so he challenged the validity of the law like, I, I should be able to do this. Went to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court said, basically, and I, there's a couple of different dissents, or uh, not dissents, but the actual people that affirmed it. majority said, yeah, states have that right. It's been the... Natural law all this time throughout Western civilization, throughout history, it's it's looked this way. Um, in in the, the history of the nation, there's nothing in the Constitution that forbids the states from making this determination. So the sodomy law of Georgia, in that case, was upheld. Now the court changes in makeup over the years. In 2003, you have Texas, Lawrence versus Texas. Now the first one you mentioned was 1986. 86. Yeah. So 2003, we're talking about not even... 17 years or yeah, so. Yeah, not even 20 years. Yeah. But you had different justices now. As, as, you know, just A Supreme Court justice is a lifetime position. You either die in your position or you resign at some point. Mm-hmm. But other than that, you're, you're there unless you were to be impeached. Except for RGB, she stayed there after she was dead. Yeah, several years. <laughs> AOC is now saying that we need to impeach these justices. I think it takes something like 75 senators to impeach over what? I mean, it's idiotic what she says, but she always says idiotic things. But um, so in 2003, the same, the same issue comes up, but now it's the Texas sodomy laws, right? It's the same issue. It's the same Constitution. The Constitution hasn't changed an iota. Not at all. Nothing. So the same issue comes before the court with different justices, and in 2003, the justices decide that suddenly, we're in 86, and, and all the years prior to that, that the Constitution meant what it said. Well, actually, we think the Constitution does forbid states from making sodomy laws, so all sodomy laws are struck down. That's oh, the court. Now, what about this whole judicial positivism thing of uh, a precedent? You know, like, oh, that, that like they, the they don't want precedent. And yeah. see, that's the reality. They don't want precedent. Because if they wanted precedent, things would never change. What they want is their way and their it's agenda. It's already covered. Yeah. So it becomes a matter of not what does the law say. Can we get enough judges with a liberal bias on there to overturn what the law says? These are law destroyers. So two, that was 2003, 2015. Now we have Overfell versus uh, Hodges. And, and, of course, in that, we know that gay Five marriage, to four. So we first we got uh, homosexuality legalized. States can no longer forbid it, and it only took what twelve years later now to jump another step 
to make homosexuality uh, in marriage legal. Of course, not legal, but that's what the court said. Right. And and with that's come now, you have different states are saying now you have to, Mister. Baker, you have to, Mr. Mrs. Flower Shop, you have to participate in these ceremonies that they're calling gay marriages. And if you don't, you're violating our human rights and you can be sued and all this kind of stuff. So this is where it's gone from. It was illegal. Now we legalize it. Now we're saying that they can marry. Now we're going to force you society to participate in their perverted lifestyle. Yeah. Bake the cake, bigot, is what they say. Yeah. Uh, now, because of this, it actually um, made me do something a little bit different recently on how I pronounced, I actually just had the opportunity to go and uh, perform the wedding or uh, of my sister uh, to go and to officiate the wedding there. And, and you know, you always hear people go and say, uh, with the power invested in me by God and the state of blah, 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 and I pronounce you husband and wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I leave off uh, in the power invested in, I say with power invested in me uh, by God, but I leave off the state mm-hmm. because I don't recognize them as a legitimate authority over marriage. Uh, in this issue because they perverted it. Yeah, they, and, they've usurped. No, of course, they still went and signed a state marriage license and things right. like that, and I, and I signed it as well. But I'm not going to give them the respect in the service uh, because that, the state doesn't deserve that until they get this issue right. That seems right. That's absolutely right. Um, God ordained marriage, and no man authority can, can undo what God has said. Now, they can claim to do that, but it's illegitimate still in the eyes of God. And right. God is who you stand for at the end. You won't stand before the Supreme Court or anybody else. You won't stand before Pastor Sam and I. You will stand before God, mm-hmm. and these things will be plainly. You will understand at that time what we're telling you is true. There will be no denying at that time. We hope and pray, though, that before you come to that point, that you come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ as your, your Savior. And then as we move forward in life, and we want Him to be your Lord as well. We want you to become sanctified and useful to Christ in reaching out to your fellow man, exhorting your fellow brothers and sisters in the Lord in reaching out to loss as we try to do every time we talk, Pastor Sam. That's right, because, you know, we're extremely pro-life. Uh, we, we are 100% pro-life. Yes, we are. Uh, we're, we're 100% against abortion and everything like that, but even more so than being pro-life. Patrick and I, we are pro-eternal life. And it tells us in Acts 16.31, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And that is the most important thing. You know, we, we got to get people born once so they can be born twice. Right. Uh, but but that is the most important decision that you can ever make in your in your life is to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. And we don't hate anybody. That, well, if you disagree with somebody, you hate them. We don't hate anybody. We don't hate people that get abortions. We don't hate people that are uh, homosexuals or whatever. We don't hate people. Just Hawkeye fans. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're a cyclone, aren't yeah. you? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to stay out of that war myself. but uh, That's because he's from Missouri. <laughs> Missouri. Know. Yeah. Yeah, we don't even know about... Well, we know about... We call them tornadoes down there, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, But we care enough about you to tell you the truth. And the world tells you so much uh, lies about this stuff and tries to twist it so much. These things are destructive to you. It's destructive to your soul. It's destructive to your life. We want to tell you the truth, that Jesus died for everybody if you would but believe on him and accept that gift of salvation. And if you don't, you'll get eternal separation. It's worse than that because it's eternal separation in hell. That's right. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening in today to the Shining Light Podcast. Remember to go check us out at theshininglightministries.com. Once again, it's theshininglightministries.com. Subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, I'm Pastor Sam. And I'm Patrick. No compromise with evil wife. Have a great day. And remember, don't murder babies.